It hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been perfect. But there is only one team in the entire FBS who's 3-0 right now, and it's the North Carolina Tar Heels. Oh, and we're just going to leave out that part about there only being 14 schools that have actually played three games. Deal? Deal. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, September 12th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so go ahead, subscribe right now so that you don't miss a second of your team every single day. Today's show is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKED ON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Well, like I said off the top, Carolina is 3 and 0 right now. They had another one possession victory over a Sunbelt team on the road. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect. They lost another lead, but Carolina won. Um, sure. Again, like I said, there are only 14 teams that have actually played three games, but Carolina is the only one of them that's three and zero right now. And so, uh, you, you gotta say, Hey, we've gone out and won the games and that matters. Carolina wins 35, 28 gets an off week before they host Notre Dame. And so to do as we always do for our caps, I'm going to give you some big picture takeaways for me, I'm going to give you my three plays of the game that I thought were three of the biggest plays of the game, my three stars of the game, the three most uh, important players for one reason or another, and my shady stat of the game. For those of you who are new, just turning in because you've been diving into football season or you're getting in and ready for basketball season, welcome. We are so glad you are here. So uh, big picture takeaway number one, I'm going to have four of them for you here today. Number one. North Carolina is 3-0, and let's be honest, I'm giving it a little bit of a joke, but that 3-0 looks a lot better after what App State did to call it, to uh, Texas A&M in College Station on Saturday. Carolina went to Boone and had that wild 63-61 victory last week, and it's like, boy, God, I mean, I know App State's a tough team, but Jiminy Christmas, 40 points in the fourth quarter, but Texas A&M couldn't sniff that what Carolina did offensively and it was in college station it was at home and so got to be feeling a lot better about that win and so you love that so sure you you want things to be cleaner you want things to be more dominant against mid-major conference teams or an FCS team in Florida A&M but hey this team has already won more games than the 2018 Tar Heels did they only had two and uh, you only need three more at this point to be bowl eligible. So, three and zero. Oh, I know there's things to be fixed, but let's. I'm I'm such a glass half full kind of guy. Let's let's look at some of that bright side. Carolina is three and zero oh right now, and there's a lot to fix. But things could be much much worse. Big picture takeaway number two. Despite these close wins the past two weeks, Carolina has held at least an 18-point lead at some point in all three victories so far. Um, 
Of course, that's conveniently leaving out that two weeks ago they had a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter and lost it, and that uh, this past Saturday they held an 18-point lead in the second quarter and let that sl slip away. So there, there is a pro and a con to that. Uh, the con of it is obvious. You can't be letting that slip away. The pro is that Carolina is getting out to these leads. The bottom line, though, is this. Keep doing that. Keep establishing a lead, but then you got to learn how to close. You got a team down. Now you got to step on them and, uh, and and keep things going. So once you've um, established that lead, now you got to maintain it and you've got to expand on it. Grow the lead just like you want to do in any sport. You know, if you build a, a big first half lead in basketball, you want to see that lead keep growing in the second half. If you score a first half goal in soccer, you want to get another goal or two in the second half. If you have a a two-run lead in baseball in the eighth inning. You want to get some insurance runs, all of that kind of stuff. That's what this football team ultimately needs to learn how to do right now. Grow up a little bit by learning how to keep getting these leads they're getting, but then not let them slip away. Big picture takeaway number three of four. Does the defense have more to work on? Yes, 100%, absolutely. But there are healthy signs moving in the right direction. Here's the biggest one for me from Saturday. Carolina's offense did them no favors, helped out the defense not at all. They had um, three turnovers in terms of kind of like live ball turnovers and then also a turnover on downs. So there was that turnover on downs. There, was, um, there were two fumbles and then Drake May's first interception of the season on his first pass attempt of the second half. What a great, actually first of his career, I should say, in fact, going back to last year. And so, um, in fact, those, aside from the kneel down to end the first half, the turnover on downs, the first fumble, and then May's interception were three possessions in a row, three drives in a row. Don't love to see that, but we're talking about the defense right now, because I want to point out something that I love that they did. And if there were, if there were two shady stats of the game, this would be getting one of them because this is how impressive it would be to me. The defense, despite being put in those tough spots of, of having to get out there four times unexpectedly, um, I guess the with the turnover on downs, maybe you expect that a little more, but the other three unexpectedly put into those tough positions. Let's call that four turnovers, essentially. Only gave up three total points off of those four turnovers. That's phenomenal. Now, you don't want to put your defense in that type of position week after week after week, but only three points off of essentially four turnovers. Well done, defense. That's the kind of progression. That's the kind of growth that you want to see, and that, that is huge for me. And by the way, let's say something else about the defense. In closing, um, a week after giving up those 44th quarter points, you know how many they gave up this week on Saturday against Georgia State? Goose egg, zero, none, nada, zilch. In fact, the Panthers had three possessions that started in the fourth quarter. Um, they, they had the ball at the beginning of the fourth quarter already, so I'm not talking about that one. But those final three possessions, punt, punt, punt. One first down in those three possessions, two three and outs. That's great. If you're closing a game like that, again, I know it's Georgia State, but steps steps in the right direction that's what you want to see and then fourth my fourth big picture takeaway um 
while the last week's game against App State, their comeback never resulted in taking a lead. Um, they had one, yes, earlier in the game. But I'm just saying once Carolina had amassed their 20-point lead, App State came back and tied it up and never took a lead. Georgia State's 25 unanswered points on Saturday, they did take a lead. They were up 28-21 before Carolina scored the final 14 points of the game. That's different because there, there's a difference when you're tied. When you're tied, there is a little bit of consternation of like, ah, are we giving this away? But when you actually lose the lead, especially on the road, that is different, especially for a team that has several young skill position players. How do they respond? How do they react? Well, like I just said, they went down by a touchdown and then they reeled off the final 14 points of this game to win on the road. And to me, that, that is a big deal. That is, that is a big picture takeaway for me. This team, even though they should not give up the lead, we've already talked about that. When they did give up the lead, they responded to it very quickly, I might add, four plays later. So that's what you want to see. That is my last big picture takeaway. When this team is down, they've learned how to keep fighting, get up off the mat, and throw another punch. Well, what three plays specifically helped mold and shape this game to do some of those things that we just talked about? I'm going to give you my three plays of the game here in just a second. In fact, while I'm talking, I want to know what you think the most important plays of this game were. Give them to me while I tell you more about underdog which is the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It's underdog fantasy and their pick'em game are here for college football. For example, just go look for your favorite Tar Heel stats, pick whether you think they'll end up with higher or lower than that number in this week's game, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players from your pick'em slip Get all your picks right, and you will take home some cold, hard cash. Simple to get started, just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code Locked On, and Underdog will then double your first deposit up to $100. That's as much as $100 free if you deposit $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Okay, three game-changing plays. And we're going to go back to somebody we talked about last week with this first one, and that is Kobe Pesor and his TD catch on Saturday. Uh, this was Drake May's second touchdown pass of the game. His first one was a really nice, um, just threaded Kamari Morales right up the middle, 55 yards, right through the middle of a couple defenders and into the end zone on a third and 11, I believe it was. Huge play there. Um, but I want to highlight this one both because of Pesor and because of Drake May. Now, a little context, the play right before the Pesor touchdown, uh, Drake May had also connected with Pesor. Um, he receives the ball, gets popped immediately by a DB, but like just kind of pinballs off of him, doesn't go down, never really breaks stride, but it's like he just bounces back like he was bouncing off a uh, like you know, those inflatables where you, those like bouncing ball things, you know what I'm talking about? You get in them and bound off each other. That's what it looked like Pesor did right there. And he just bounces back and then keeps going. And so I love that play because it shows his toughness, keeping his feet, getting a couple yaks, a couple yards after catch there and keep on going. And that's cool because that shows his toughness. And in the very next play, we get to see his athleticism and just capability to do big things. 
It's a beautiful ball from May. Just enough air on it for Pesor to run up under the ball, but it's also deep enough in the end zone from Drake May that Pesor is the only one that can catch it. Um, and and so you love you love the touch on that from Drake May. Beautiful. But then Pesor kind of falls down, kind of dives after this ball out over his out, outside shoulder um, and kind of has to contort his body that way. And just one of those, you know, in this day and age when every single nanosecond of a catch is going to be, especially a touchdown catch, is reviewed and dissected. Not only do you have to get your fingertips on it, you got to immediately cradle it under you and roll so that you're not letting it shuffle around. And that's exactly what he does lays out, catches this ball over his outside shoulder, and somehow hauls it in and maintains possession. I mean, that thing did not move at all. Touchdown Kobe Pesor, touchdown Drake May. You love to see these uh, the connection of these two young men. And that touchdown is the one that gave Carolina their biggest lead of the game at 21-3, midway through the second quarter, that 18-point cushion. At that point, you feel like Carolina's in the driver's seat. Obviously, we know what went on from there, but... Um, doing the things you've got to do to keep expanding. Again, love to see what Carolina is able to do, even with Josh Downs on the sideline. The second play I want to talk about as uh, one of my three big plays from this game is the touchdown that was the response to when Georgia State took the lead at 28-21. They've just gotten the lead for the first time in this game. Remember, Carolina had come out scored first and then gotten off the field and so never never trailed until the until this point when it was 28-21. And so you're wondering how's Carolina going to respond being down for the first time in the game. Carolina gets the ball literally four plays later. Boom, there goes Amarion Hampton 58-yard touchdown. You got to give it up to him. You got to give it up to the offensive line clearing the path. There there had been some struggles early in the run game. Um, Georgia State's defensive front was causing uh, some some issues, wreaking a little bit of havoc for for Carolina being able to find space. But as the third quarter and into the into the fourth quarter opened up, they were able to make room, and Carolina's run game was able to really get going there. Um, none more so than this run from Hampton, this 58-yard scamper for a touchdown to tie the game back up. I mean, so quickly. That's how you have to, especially on the road, that's how you have to respond. And that's what Hampton and the offense did. And so you love to see that from your true freshman back. And then my third big play of the game is on the other side of the ball. And it's from our guy, Cedric Gray. Um, Cedric Gray had uh, came out of the game at one point, had, had been injured, looked like he, I never officially heard, looked like he was kind of clutching his side. You wonder if the air got knocked out of him or uh, cracked a rib or something of that nature. But, you know, being the tough guy he is, comes back in um, and, and does all sorts of great stuff. So this is late in the game. The teams have traded some punts. Carolina has the lead back, 35-28. And um, this is coming immediately after that, that last um, turnover from Carolina where DJ Jones had a nice game and then got the ball punched out, and that was that final turnover, that fumble. And so Georgia State has all this momentum. They're only down one score. There's just under five minutes to go. They're at home, and you're thinking, man, this, this could be bad. They, they could go and tie this thing up, and then we're getting into a fourth quarter situation just like at App State. So Carolina is a, there was a a penalty that got them into first and 15. Carolina gets it to where it's eventually third and 10, just across 
midfield. Georgia State runs an option to the left where you've got to have a defender come up and get the quarterback, Come somebody else come up and get the pitch man. So Noah Taylor, they run it. It's to his side of the line. So he takes the quarterback. And then Georgia State's left tackle is supposed to come up and get a piece of Cedric Gray so that the pitch man is wide open. <laughs> nice try, buddy. It's funny. Please go back and watch this tape. You see him after the play. Cedric Gray just takes off like a bullet out of a gun. The left tackle has no chance. As soon as he misses him and grays by him, you just see the left tackle so dis disheartened, disenfranchised, because he just didn't have a shot at this thing. Seriously, go back and watch it. So left tackle supposed to come get a piece of, uh, a piece of gray, but he is just too quick to diagnose what's happening and gets after it. So Taylor's on the quarterback. Um, Cedric Gray sees that out in front of him, knows he can get immediately to the running back. So no need to kind of stunt or hesitate, just takes off straight to the spot. As soon as the running back gets the ball, he is by the left tackle, blows up the running back, knocks him out of bounds. Georgia state has to punt. And guess what? That ends up being the Panthers last offensive play of the game. Cause Carolina is able to hold on to the ball for those final couple minutes, take a knee and get out of Atlanta. And so, man, these guys and credit to Noah Taylor too. He, if you watch back on that play, some good pre-snap communication, um, kind of knowing where they're all at. They both take their assignments well. And then gray again, just blows by the tackle, blows this dude up. Love to see it. Three big plays. Paysor's TD, Omarion Hampton's one of his two TDs and this Cedric gray hit to end Georgia State's offensive day. Love to see it. Now, we also need to talk about our three players of the game. You might see some of these same names show up again because they had great days. Plus, we're going to get to my shady stat of the game, all coming up after I tell you about LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. So create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million folks. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidate you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so we get into our last section of the day, our three players of the game. Like I said, you're going to hear a couple names you've already heard and one that we have not talked about yet this season, plus my shady stat of the game. The first of these names is the last guy we talked about. We're flipping it on its head, Cedric Gray. I mean, just, just doing what he needs to do. Last week, I talked about in the same space, Cedric Gray 
has to not not necessarily be the one leading the team in tackles every week, although he probably will most weeks. Probably he, I've been saying he and Power Eccles are going to switch off with that distinction, but he has to set the tone every week. That that cannot change. That cannot deviate. Cedric Gray has to be the dude. And that's what happened yet again. Not only did he set the tone, but he was the leading tackler once again this week, back-to-back weeks. Last week against App State, he tied his career high with 13 tackles. This week, he set his career high, bumping it up by one with 14 tackles. Now, Power Eccles was not far behind. He had 10 of his own, also a career high. And so you love seeing your linebackers, the middle of the defense, doing this kind of work. And then that sets the tone that hopefully the line and the secondary can continue to step up and and keep growing because that's where it seems like we're seeing more of the gaps at this point. And so we're going to have to continue to wait. Cedric Gray also had two tackles for loss. Um, I had that huge tackle we just talked about on, on the Panthers' last offensive play of the game. And so just doing the things that you need the leader, the head of your defense to do. And then the other guys see that and they come along. Just keep doing what you're doing, said Gray. That is number one. Number two is that true freshman running back. Which one? There's George Petaway, but we're talking about Omarion Hampton. <clears throat> it's it's such a cool story. He's a true freshman. And, you know, there's so many of those true freshmen that enroll for the entire spring semester come in January and are there. That way they're able to participate in the spring ball. Omarion Hampton didn't come until this summer. And now he is doing all this stuff. In his three collegiate games, game one, game three, 100 plus yards rushing, started game two, started game three. And, and I know part of that is circumstantial due to injuries and other things like that. But it is true that um, he has now two 100 yard rushing games in his first three collegiate games. He started two of the three and uh, so finished on Saturday with 110 rushing yards on 16 carries not to mention by the way he has scored a touchdown in all three of his first collegiate games five in total he had two the first game at uh, against florida a&m and scored two again this week at georgia state crazy stuff omarion hampton is doing love to see it keep that going especially with this this running back room you know you thought you were going to have these six guys british brooks was the projected starter is out season-ending injury before you play your first game. Caleb Hood is out this week, injured. DJ Jones came off a little bit hobbled at one point against Georgia State. And and Elijah Green really just hasn't factored into the mix. And so you're starting to think, man, we thought we had these six guys, probably the deepest position on the team. And uh, if DJ Jones can't come back in, you got your two true freshman guys in Hampton and Petaway and Green if necessary. But um, he's been holding it down. Uh, Mr. Hampton has, and obviously Petaway coming in and doing great work there. Hopefully the other guys, obviously Brooks won't be back, but hopefully Hood is back against Notre Dame after these two weeks off. And then DJ Jones did come back in the game, but hopefully he'll have that time to rest and recover as well. The third player of the game. You ready for this one? You are not expecting this. Let me hear your guesses before I do it. Say it out loud. If you're listening, type it into the comments if you're watching. Three, two, one. It is the punter, Ben Kiernan. Yes, we are giving the punter, the guy from down under, some big time love here on the show. Why? He had the two longest punts of his entire Carolina career on Saturday. Yes, two longest punts. He had a 64-yarder and a 70-yarder. 
70 yarder. His previous high was 63 against Clemson back in 2019. Oh, that game. I'm sure you remember it. Now, part of the reason I want to highlight Kiernan is because the 70 yarder in particular came at a great time. At that moment, Carolina is still clinging to the lead. It's 21-20, and they are now having to punt. And you're thinking, goodness gracious. It's kind of like I talked about with that other play where DJ Jones had fumbled and Carolina's up by one, one touchdown. And you're like, man, can, can we hold this momentum off? Same thing here. Carolina is pinned back at their own 28, and that's where Kieran is going to have to punt from. And you're thinking, man, they're going to have great field position. I think, in fact, the broadcaster said it on the broadcast, if I if I remember correctly. Like, oh, man, Georgia State's going to get great field position here. <laughs> That's cute. 28, punting from the 28. A nice big booming kick just through the air, period. But Georgia State's uh, returner calls for a fair catch, inexplicably doesn't catch it, lets it hit. And it just takes this great Carolina bounce all the way down to where four Carolina guys surrounded. I can't remember if it was Ra Ra Dilworth or who actually downed it, but at the two, the two yard line for your 70 yard punt. Way to go, Ben Kiernan. Props to you. Love getting to give the punter some love on the show today. And then folks, we get to our final part of this show before the sign off. The shady stat of the game. You know I got to rock the shades for the shady stat of the game. And we're going back to our man, Kobe Pesor, who we talked about earlier. Why? Well, you might remember that last week in his first career start filling in for Josh Downs, he had eight targets, caught eight balls. Yes, perfect eight for eight. Woo, crazy stuff there. 92 yards and a touchdown. This week, yeah, okay, it wasn't perfect. But you know what? It was five for six with another touchdown. We already talked about that. So that means in his two first career starts, he has been targeted Mr. Kobe Pacewar has 16 times and he's caught 15 of those balls, 16 balls thrown his way. He's caught 15 of them filling in for one of the best receivers in the entire nation. That ain't just filling in folks that's doing work. And that's proven that you have to be on the field, even when Josh Downs returns. Oh, by the way, that's for 153 yards and two touchdowns. So yeah, Kobe Pesor, the shady stat of the game, 15 out of 16 on targets, 153 yards and two touchdowns through his first two career starts. Well done, Kobe Pesor. Keep it up. You are showing the coaching staff uh, how much they can believe in you. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do when Josh Downs is back and how they will utilize both these guys, hopefully some together. Boom. Shady stat of the game. And that, friends, is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. I want to remind you, we've got our drive for five going on. It's just under two months until the college basketball season kicks off. We are well on our way to 5,000 subscribers, and that's our goal by November 7th, the tip off of the first basketball game. We just crossed over 4,000 this weekend. Thank you so much for that, and let's keep it going. Coming up this week, Coach Pat Kilby and I are going to dive into last week's UNC basketball commit, Drake Powell. Great news, the first one in the class of 24. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or first watch of the day. It's been great to kick off the week this way, celebrating another Tar Heel victory. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels or me at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of the ACC take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. 
Hey, great to be together today. You know what? Even though there's no game upcoming this week, it's great. We're basking in an undefeated record, getting ready for Notre Dame. So I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace.